Good afternoon and welcome to the business community on Callan FM. I'm Tracy Jones. And I'm Heather Noble. And over the next hour, we'll be sharing ideas, events, reviews and food for thought, all related to the world of business. And as usual, the first thing we're going to do is talk about something topical. And uh, the 5th of February, did you know that it's dubbed National Sicky Day? Not just any 5th of February, but it was 5th of February this year because it's the first Monday in February. And it's the day of the year which traditionally sees the highest number of workers calling in sick. Oh dear, not good. You didn't call in sick, Heather? Well, I work for myself, so um, (laughs) yeah, I, I wouldn't have answered the phone. Now... Um, Business advisors, ELAS, um, estimate that sick day absences on on sick day, National Sicky Day, may cost the economy as much as £34 million in salary, reduced productivity and lost opportunities. And um, one of the things that that was mentioned in this article, the article I'm, I'm referring to is on the ACAS website, Um, And the head of consultancy at ELAS says that one of the problems is that employers have drifted into accepting text messages and emails from staff Mm. who want to call in sick. Mm -hmm. And so what that means is that employers are not being challenged for their reasons at that point. And so according to... Um, Peter Mooney, who's the head of consultancy, this lax approach towards absence is what allows an absence culture to flourish. And then that hits morale and productivity. And actually, um, it, it's uh, it, it's quite it becomes an endemic thing. So it just becomes rather acceptable. However, in the same report on the ACAS website, it says that the um, the number of days people are taking off is is falling, even though more people are calling in. So that then brings into question, so they're taking fewer days off, yes. but are calling in sick more times, which is what led me to go and have a look at something called the Bradford Factor Aha. or the Bradford Formula. Uh, have you heard of it, Heather? I have indeed. I have indeed. Yeah, my brief understanding of it is that there's sickness is sickness. And when you're looking at somebody's sickness record, is that there's a, a school of th- thought that says that it's more disruptive for people to have short incidences of time off rather than long incidences. Is that right? Or yes, have I got it the I wrong think, way around? I think that's the um, original use for the Bradford factor. Um, and it's coming up with a way of um, investigating absenteeism. Um, and it's it's a way of looking at, um, you know, sort of the impact of these short term um, absences and it put, it puts a number on it mm, okay mm. so um, the, it's quite a controversial tool but it's one that um, as far as I understand it is one that you shouldn't just say okay you've reached whatever the score is 450 apparently is one that's categorized as a um, recommending disciplinary um, and a, you know anything up to 499 to for um, final written warning but I think the the generally accepted use of it is not to use it in isolation not just when you hit the trigger point it's to consider all the other things around it as well and you know the contributing factors um, it's not something that I've ever um, had used in a company that I've worked in before but I, I think it's certainly got its uses have you ever used it ever been involved in it? my only involvement with it was um at a time when we were looking at redundancy across an organization and when you're you're making a post redundant uh and then thinking about you know rejigging people within the organization it's something that you would consider 
now if somebody has a a car crash and is off for a prolonged period of time you know that's that's unavoidable but if somebody has a, a tendency to phone in every monday morning and it, you know is a little jaded from the weekend or um fridays in the summer things like that you start to get you might question their commitment yeah. to to work uh, but that's my only uh, use of it what about you yeah no not come across it um <laughs> Personally, but no, no of companies that have used it. And um, I think one of the things you can say in its favour is it is a mathematical trigger and it does mean that everybody gets the same treatment. Yes. So there's no risk of somebody saying, oh, well, that person, they always have that time yeah. off and you let them off. Or, you know, so actually, if everybody has the same mathematical trigger applied to them, yeah. then I think that can be quite good. Um, on the other hand, if all you do is apply a mathematical trigger, I think that that can cause some problems. And, you know, um, not everybody is exactly the same. So uh, clearly there's issues with uh, disability and uh, disability rights legislation, mm -hmm. you know, can, can come a bit of a cropper with um, Bra uh, Bradford Factor. And also if somebody's got a genuine medical condition or, or genuine individual circumstances, then I think, you, you then have to go into the detail of it. But I, yeah, I think it, it's always useful to have a framework and parameters so that it's not purely subjective and it's not whether your boss favours you in any way, shape or form and yet the person down the corridor, their boss is more strict with them. Uh, yeah, it applies. It's, com it's comparing apples with apples, isn't it? Yeah. And I think after that point, then... That there are factors around uh, well-being in the workplace that need to be considered as well. It's no good, I, I, from my personal point of view, just saying you've had a lot of sick days off, off you go. I, I think the employer actually has a, a wider responsibility mm. to their mm. employees' well-being. And um, you're nodding your head there. So yep. what, what have you found, Heather? Well, there, I mean... That's absolutely right. You know, we can we can blame our employees for taking time off, but if we need to promote a culture that makes... Um, the workplace a safe environment a healthy environment a positive environment to encourage people to come to work and there are quite a few studies that have been carried out um, but I, I there's a quote from HR director magazine um, dated last year and it it looks at reports that have been done and it says all businesses should be aware of the importance of employee well-being. Ultimately, the health and happiness of staff has a direct impact on the bottom line of any company's profits. So anybody who's a little sceptical about this and it's like, well, hang on a minute, they get paid to do a job of work, they should be here. OK, that's fine. But if you actually focus on the well-being of your staff, it's going to have a positive output. So that's not about chucking loads of money at it because this is a cultural thing, but you can benefit. Uh, the, the profitability of the business will benefit at, at the end of the line. And there are a few things that you can put in place. One, um, one area that I'm particularly interested in because of previous work that I've done, it, and I'm doing some work for a client at the moment, is looking at employee assistance programmes. EAPs. EAPs, yes. So there is, if, there's a website which is employeeassistance.org.uk and it looks at the different ways that you can um, support your employees. So this is an online portal where employees can go and access emotional support, um, uh, work-related report about perhaps dismissal and um, bullying and redundancy, um, family working rights for parents, for example, their personal health, workplace absence, personal injury, stress and resilience, uh, money, pay structure, and that's, you know, that's very topical at the moment. Um, relationships, just if you've got trouble at home, 
there's support there. And another growing area is addiction. So, you know, very often people are um, maybe absent from work because they are um, victim of some type of addiction. So this is a really useful portal. Um, it's great access to information, if only to look at the types of things that you might want to focus on if you're trying to promote well-being within your workforce. OK, we'll put a link to that on our website, which is www.thebusiness.community. There's another good resource, and I can see you've got one of the leaflets mm. in front of you, and yeah. that's mine. This is, yeah, this is focusing on, as you might expect, mental health, which is a, a growing um, area. We're all more conscious of our own mental health, sometimes to the good, sometimes to the bad. Uh, but whatever you think of that, Mind, the mental health charity, actually has started um, using a workplace wellbeing index, which you as an employer uh, can take part in. Um, Basically, Mind is saying that they want to support a million people to stay well and have good mental health at work by 2021. And this is part of that programme. So effectively, it's an index that it, you um, answer questions, you take part and you are given an index as to whether you are a good place in terms of employee well-being. Really interesting and really interesting. And they've got this workplace well-being index booklet, which you can download from their website, which I'm just going to double check, but my fingers aren't moving fast enough. But I believe it is mind.org.uk, I believe. It, it is, yes. We'll put the link yes. for those on the website. Yeah. And um, if you've got any comments, then we would appreciate you leaving them at the bottom of the blog for the podcast on the website. And um, any other comments about the show, they're always welcome. OK, so uh, this is the part of the show when we have a little look at news and events. Um, so I've got a few events for you that you may find useful in and around the local area. Um, starting off with the um, Institute of Directors, which is as a website is a really useful resource anyway. Lots of interesting news items and blog items. But they're launching a new mastermind programme and they're doing this all over the country. But I've picked up one that's taking place on the 8th of March at Northup Hall Country House Hotel near Chester. Um, this is um, the the launch and they've got a guest speaker who's a guy called David Roberts who um, is the is lo a local business owner for the alternative board he creates and facilitates boards of local business owners and leaders who meet monthly to learn from each other's successes and challenges and gain peer-to-peer -peer advice on how to develop their businesses uh, you get one-to-one -one executive coaching sessions and have access to a range of proprietary business tools for example to help with business planning so it looks like it's it's if you're a member of the IOD Institute of Directors, it's £15 plus VAT, non-members £20. And it runs from 8am, uh, there's a welcome and then there's the activity and it closes at 10am. But if you've ever been part of a mastermind group, um, whether, you know, official or unofficially, it, it's a great it's a great tool just to keep you on track, a bit of accountability. Uh, then looking at the 27th of February up at College Cambria, uh, Northup, uh, this is a guide for apprenticeships and funding for SMEs. Apprenticeships all over the place. Uh, local SMEs who've benefited from training and recruiting apprentices will be on hand to share their stories along with the Cambria for Business team and NatWest. Uh, so, again, a short but insightful uh, couple of hours, eight o'clock on the 27th of February until 9.30, uh, free to attend. And you can find out more by going to Colleague Cambria's website. And finally... 
I've gone slightly further afield looking at Manchester, Manchester Central. Uh, there's an uh, an expo running from the 28th of February to the 1st of March, Factories of the Future, Ooh, well, like which I thought sounded yeah. really interesting. It's, right up my street. Uh, it's an exhibition showcasing the latest technologies and solutions for smarter manufacturing. There will be over 2,000 manufacturing and supply chain professionals from across the UK and Europe attending to see latest advances in automation, robotics, software sensors, virtual reality, 3D printing and big data. Uh, it's a free to attend event. And if you just Google Manchester Central, you will see the dates and you can book your ticket. Looks like a really just a really interesting thing to go to. Right, I'm just I'm off. I'm, I'm going to Google that now, Heather. You carry on with the rest of the show. Oh, I love the sound of that. Okay, what have you got? I picked up on some free courses that CIPD are offering. That's the Chartered Institute of Personnel Development. Yes, yes. And um, they're offering it with their partners, FutureLearn. Uh, two courses that you study online, and they seem fairly substantial from what I can see. They're five-week courses and designed for people who are considering a career in HR. Mm-hmm. And the first one is HR Fundamentals. And the second one is people management skills. Uh, They're open now for registrations. And the first course starts on the 16th of April this year. And it runs for five weeks. And I do believe you get a certificate of attendance as well for doing that. But I think if you're interested in or involved in HR, then it's probably worth taking a look. I'll put the links for that. They're quite long links. Um, but they're all through um, futurelearn.com. I'll put those on our website, which is the business.community. And um, also there's more information on the professional qualifications that CIPD offer at their website, which is cipd.co.uk. Callan FM on 105 FM. We like to review things on this show, whether it's apps or books or anything, websites and the the, the focus today uh, that I want to look at is um, the Open University. We have mentioned, I think, briefly in passing that they run a number of online courses that you can access uh, in in sort of manageable chunks and they cover all sorts of things. So I was, I've been having a look at the business um, uh, courses that you can do and some of them, you know, you get a little statement of participation when you finish it. Uh, and there's a whole raft of different areas. It could be it could be finance, um, so you could be sort of just getting yourself sorted. It could be a business plan, but the one that I thought I'd pick up on just because of where we are um, via their website, which is www.open.edu.edu, uh, and then you can just look at their free courses. Is rural entrepreneurship in Wales? So I'm going to do this just, even though I have no intention of setting up a rural business at all but I thought it would be just a really interesting one to, to look at so it covers the structure covers setting the scene for a rural business exploring your business idea whatever that might be looking at customers markets competition and pricing capabilities and resources you know what 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 can you do and what do you need finance and information and then it looks at um um, what additional learn you know what additional reading you might do and what they do is they take you through each section they give you what are likely to be the learning outcomes which are really important and it basically says that at the end of the course you can then go on to do additional perhaps formal training if you wanted to so the learning outcomes are that you will understand the importance of how living rurally influences your business or social enterprise objectives you will explore the feasibility of a business idea 
plan a strategy for the development of your company and state the likely resources and capabilities required for your new business and understand where the gaps are likely to occur. Now, okay, that all sounds quite basic, you know, and bleeding obvious in some respects. But actually, a lot of the courses, when you look at the learning outcomes, there are things that it is helpful just to focus on, even though you know it, to go and focus and actively answer a question and, and make sure that you've covered all bases. Really, really helpful. So a fantastic resource. Um, and as I say, it's like a try before you buy and then you can go on and do more formal training in any given area if you want to. I agree with you on the um, the basic outline, but actually I, I, I did a couple because you can you can dig into them without registering so there's sort of two levels of access in the course. One is you can just go in, have a look at the material and, and get a feel for it. If you go a little bit further and register, that's when you get the certificate of participation. Yep. And apparently it does unlock a few more tools and resources okay. in there. Okay. All right. But I just delved into a couple of the HR ones without registering just to get an overview. And you're right, there, it, there was something very basic about it when if you were reading a book or just skimming through it, you think, yeah, 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 yeah. But actually, I found that the exercises did make me think. Yeah. I thought I knew it, but then actually applying it to myself and, and sort of the proof of the pudding is in the eating, isn't yes. it? I had to yeah. write something down. So it, it did make me think beyond the simplicity. And in fact, sometimes a lot of courses are very simple in structure. It's, it's what you do with them that matters. And all, I, th- I think you raise a good point there because actually I was looking at business courses I run my own business. I come from a commercial background. If I were looking at engineering, for example, well, okay, my knowledge is, Maybe not so is set at a different, yeah, at a different <laughs> level. So, so it, it is horses for courses. But, yeah. but I mean, it's, it's great fun just to look around and think, oh, is that even a thing? Well, you know? yeah, because ju- I've got the page open now in my little app called Pocket, which we're going to talk about afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the money and business section. Um, just an example of the type of stuff that's in there. Asset allocation in investment may mean nothing to you. Doesn't mean anything to me. Finance, no. fine. I'm okay yeah. with that. Yeah. Um, but even um, this one here called challenges in advanced management accounting. I do that all the time, but I think I'm going to actually have a look at that because yeah. it's good to refresh. But then there's other things like the business of football. Yeah. Okay. okay not even thought about that. Um Corporate responsibility for industrial incidents, creating an ethical organisation, different types of business, discovering management, employee engagement. And I'm only on to E there. There's so, there are so many. But the other sections, health, sports and psychology, education and development, history and the arts, languages. If I scroll even further down there, nature and environment, science, maths and technology, society, politics and law. Being a bit of one of these people that likes to learn a lot of new stuff, I think I could probably lose myself in there for a little while. You could book a week off and just work <laughs> your way through them. But they're not too big, are they? They are bite-sized pieces. Mm. And I think that it's really worth at least having bookmarked. Just in case you've you've got an idea for something or you, you've, you've been asked about something, just delve in there and see if the information's there and you can get a better understanding. So, Heather, did you say you were going to actually do one? I am going to do one. Um, I wanted to do a business one. I, I probably will do the rural entrepreneurship one, but I'm because of the work that I do, I'm interested in the psychology. Yeah. Uh, so that is probably more uh, beneficial to me 
uh, in that it will get me thinking and, and some of it will be remembering stuff that I know and some of it will be saying, Heather, you don't actually know anything about that thing, <laughs> which is often the case. So we said we'd um, come back and talk to you about um, these two apps that I trialled last week. You do love your apps, don't I do, you? I do. I like, a, I like to try a new app and... I think I said last week that these apps are only new to me. They're probably quite old to everybody mm-hmm. else, but That's, they're the first yeah. time I've used them. And last night I was sat preparing for the show and I had saved through the week from various websites and various emails that I got just a whole pile of stuff to Pocket, to the Pocket app. And then I sat at my computer and logged into Pocket from the computer and there it all was for me. So all I had to do was go through and pick out the things that we're going to be talking about. And so it gets a big thumbs up from me for that. Mm -hmm. It worked really well. However, I'm using it here again today. And even though I accessed them on my phone at home yesterday with full internet, we haven't got internet here and it's still struggling to bring some of the information up. So I'm mm. not quite sure what's what's going on with that. But I can see all of the things yes. yeah. and I've got the stuff prepared for next week's show already. See, and I, I might even start thinking a bit further ahead to March. You've now been very organised. Yeah, now, now I've got a way of keeping it out of my inbox. The only thing I found was that there were a couple of. Um, resources that I wanted only a little bit of, say a picture, not of not the full page, or something from an email that mm-hmm. I wanted, but it didn't have a link to a website, and Pocket couldn't handle that, so I couldn't save something to Pocket that wasn't specifically a web page. I only okay. wanted a web page, so that's where Google Keep came in. So I I wanted to take a picture or a snapshot of the quote that I'm going to use today for our. Um, feature at the end of the show and one for next week and then I was able to save that in Google Keep. So, so could you just do a screen print? I just did a screenshot and then sent it to Google Keep. Okay. And that reminds me that there's another little section that I wanted to mention in the show today so there we go I've got it there in front of uh... me. <laughs> so having used Google Keep this is the thing that I saved it was a Word document which I'd saved to a PDF. I thought, oh, I want to show that to Heather. What shall I do? Shall I email it or it'll get stuck in Heather's inbox? Then yeah. she won't thank me for that. No, I'll put it on Google Keep and okay. I'll remember to do it. I only just remembered live on air, but it okay. has worked. But it has worked. Yeah. It doesn't matter how it works, it's worked. The thing that I wanted to say was that um, when I went to that ACAS um, workshop a few weeks ago, they had these lovely little name cards um on, on the desk in front of us, you write your name on. But on the f- side facing you were some little instructions about the meeting, which I thought were really nice. Mm. It says, welcome. What you get out of this meeting depends on what you put into it. Mm. Good start. And so it goes through with the sort of the rules of the meeting. So enter into discussions enthusiastically. Give freely of your experience. Your point of view is important. Only one person should talk at a time. Mm. Avoid private conversations while someone else is speaking. Be patient with others and acknowledge the other person's point of view. If you don't understand, ask. And there are no stupid questions, only questions. And I was so pleased with that that I've actually done an A3 version, laminated and stuck it on the wall in the conference room at work. (laughs) Yeah, it's good because those rules apply 
to life, really. <laughs> <laughs> Don't they <laughs> Never just? Never mind in a meeting. So for me, I think I'm going to carry on using app uh, the app's uh, Pocket mm-hmm. and Google Keep just to gather stuff for the radio. I haven't used it for anything else. It didn't seem to have a, a use beyond storing stuff for the week, using it and then mm-hmm. deleting it off. There wasn't anything I, I was cherishing there. So I seem to have found quite the right balance for me just on that then because i've been using trello which is one that we've mentioned and i've got very excited this week when i realized i could email stuff to trello and it would go into the relevant board yes. and that was fantastic you can do that with pocket as right. well, right because it looks from your screen it looks much more visual whereas in trello it, it's just a link or yeah. so it wasn't quite with as pocket, exciting there are a number of different ways that you can do it so you can have uh, if it's on your desktop you can have a little tool on your toolbar at the top which says send pocket you can email to your account at, um, at pocket or if it's on your phone when you do share you can you know it normally gives yeah. you the options to go facebook um yeah. Twitter or whatever and Pocket can be one of those options you just have to set it up as such but it was so easy because when, once I signed into Pocket and created an account they sent me all the details on how to set that up okay. so it was very very straightforward and yeah lovely and visual and what they do Pocket you send them um, a link to a website and instead of them just doing sort of a, a vision of the website as it is mm-hmm. they, they somehow format them all the same so every link seems to look the same nice and neat it's really neat okay and the font is all the same and they pick out the featured photograph really neat little okay app. all right give it a go i might try it this is the business community on Calon fm and this is the part of the show where me and heather normally say guru several times yeah um, we're not saying guru this time are no we? no we're not going to say guru once oh <laughs> <laughs> oops and um, so this time we're talking about famous entrepreneurs. This week and next week, certainly, we've got a couple of entrepreneurs lined up. And this week's entrepreneur is, it doesn't sound as good as Guru, does inventor. it? Inventor. Inventor is Sir James Dyson, British inventor, industrial designer and entrepreneur, according to mm-hmm. Britannica.com. And he manufactures innovative household appliances um, and is determined to restore engineering and technical innovation to high esteem in British society. So let's see what we know about James Dyson. Um, He attended a nice school in North Norfolk. He went to the Byamshaw School of Art. He studied interior design at the Royal College of Art. He then went on to do engineering and design at da da lots of lovely stuff mm-hmm. like that mm-hmm. but really what everybody knows him for is the dyson vacuum cleaner and yeah, not hoover by the, no, no no you can't say that can you <laughs> it's the dyson but heather you remember him from oh, before that, i don't know you? i'm so old that his first original invention was the ball barrow which was a wheelbarrow that used a ball instead of a wheel now that sounds pretty obvious now, but at the time, it was on BBC's Tomorrow's World TV programme, <laughs> which used to be on before or after Top I of the Pops Tomorrow's on a Thursday World. night. I can't Amazing remember which. Programme. But um, yeah, but it, at the time, it was a pioneering way of thinking. So, uh, and then his first... That was his, in 1974. There you go. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm amazed we even had a TV, to be honest. But there we go. Um, but then he took he used the ball principle for his first Dyson. Yeah. So when you read about him online, um, 
there's a lot of these stories. They all essentially come down to the same thing, that apparently he was vacuuming his house and he realises that the machine that he got, even though it was a top-of-the-range machine, was losing suction and gain getting clogged and one of the things he says he likes is solving a problem mm, and here mm, it was here was mm. a challenge for him um so he went to work to re-engineer the vacuum cleaner technology and um five thousand or so prototypes later <laughs> uh, th- see this is the man that proves that it isn't you, you don't just get overnight success yeah. it takes dedication mm. and it takes perseverance 15 years and five thousand prototypes later he he became an overnight success yes <laughs> with yes the dyson vacuum cleaner and he ended up producing it, manufacturing it itself, because none of the existing vacuum cleaner manufacturers were interested in it. They didn't believe in it, did they? No, and and one of the um, and big cheeses that Hoover said after the success of Dyson, which went on to become phenomenally successful, particularly in America, is that um, the, this big cheese from Hoover said they wish they'd bought it because they'd have just left that, that innovation sitting on the shelf to gather dust. Amazing. It's such a shame. But he 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 puts his perseverance and his, his sorry, his success down to perseverance and commitment. And I think everything you read about him, all the quotes, all the interviews he does, he really, really champions that idea that it isn't just an overnight success. You've got to fail, you've got to fail well, and you've got to pick yourself up and you've got to start again. Mm. So he's he's supportive of other engineers as well. He's he's not just uh, made his billions. Um, 7.8 billion his net worth in uh, 2017. <laughs> okay. Pounds, not, not dollars, pounds. He's putting it back in to try and encourage other people. So he's trying to inspire the next generation of design engineers. And one way that he's doing it is with the James Dyson Award. Mm. I had a quick look at their website. It's open to current and recent design engineering students. And part of the mission is to get young people excited about design Mm -hmm. engineering. It's a nice little website if you want to take a look. They've got um, a gallery of of previous winners as well, so you can go on there Mm -hmm. and have a look. But the brief is basically to solve a problem. And it, that leads very neatly into the fact that this year he he is an engineer without a doubt and, and his investment in young people. 2018 is the year of engineering in this country. We have a need for, for, for more engineers and the government um, aims that we well anticipates that we will need 1.8 million new engineers by 2020. Um, That's not long now. That's not long. And currently only 46,000 engineering students are graduating per year. So it sounds like there's a bit of a shortfall there. Um, But the James Dyson Foundation... will as part of this will continue to supply primary and secondary schools with free resources lesson support workshops and engineering information last year the foundation's resources uh, the design process box and engineering box reached an estimated 117,000 primary and secondary students in the UK so that you know he is committed to investing in that need for these engineers but one thing I if if I have time, I'd like to just go back a few years. Um, in 2014, Dyson uh, gave a lecture, a Richard, Dimble, a Richard Dimbleby lecture, and uh, it was called Engineering the Difference. And it, you can read it in its, its entirety on the internet. Uh, but uh, there were a couple of things that he was talking about. He said, why does Britain need a manufacturing industry in this supposed age of the service economy? 
My answer is simple. We have no choice. Only one in seven British jobs is in manufacturing, yet they generate nearly two thirds of exports. Manufacturing creates the wealth and spending power that feeds the service industry. It's obvious the rest of the world relies on manufacturing for its wealth. Why do we think we can be different? If we want to maintain our position alongside other leading nations, we've got to join the rest. We must take steps now. Um, and if we don't, he says innovation will be stifled. So he knows his stuff and, he, and he's absolutely passionate about it. So just before we wrap up the show, yes. the usual thing is we choose a quote from our famous entrepreneur. So what have you come up with, Heather? Um, I have, I have two. Uh, you're just as likely to solve a problem by being unconventional and determined as by being brilliant. I rely on that in my life. <laughs> <laughs> and I learned, he also says, I learned that the moment you want to slow down is the moment you should accelerate. And that goes back to what we were talking about, um, about the dip, knowing when to quit. Uh, it's a similar sort of thing, just at the point where you think, oh, gosh, go for it. And the one that I've chosen, it, it sort of speaks to the heart of me, actually, being a bit of a renaissance woman, a continual learner. And this one gives me hope. It says anyone can become an expert at anything in six months, whether it's hydrodynamics for boats or cyclonic systems for vacuum cleaners. Spot on, spot on. OK, so that just about rounds things up for this afternoon. We've thoroughly enjoyed ourselves and hope there's been something of use or interest or just a bit of food for thought for you. We'll be back next week with more business chat, ideas and events. But until then, have a great week.